Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Today, I am joined by guest co-host Jess Condit. Hey, Jess. Hello. Today, we're going to talk about what else but digital privacy post the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Uh, we're going to dig into the obsession that currently we all have over what period tracking apps are doing. Uh, but we want to look at broader than that, too. And we're also going to talk about what it means for us as women. We've also got a senior editor, Chris Abel, joining us to talk about that. And then there's other news this week, in spite of it all. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, is, just, is just going ham today. So we're going to talk all about that. But as always, if you're enjoying the show, please make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a review on iTunes and uh, send us your thoughts at podcastandengadget.com. We also typically broadcast the recording of this podcast on the Engadget YouTube channel, typically on Thursday mornings at around 10 a.m. Eastern. You can usually interact live with us on that show. We do some fun stuff. Uh, so come on over and join us then. So as most people in America are probably aware, last Friday, the Supreme Court of the United States overturned uh, Roe versus Wade, which protected a person's right to abortion, which means abortion is now a crime in some states. Of course, thanks to a political report uh, in May, we actually had some inkling that this might be happening. And a lot of outlets like Wired and NPR have rightly kind of explained what this means in the world we live in now where digital surveillance is just at an unprecedented rate. Um, a lot of people then started to panic about their online behavior, even the apps that they use to track their cycles um, and you know all of that data, how that could be used to suddenly lead to criminal charges. Just a heads up and a slight trigger warning that we do get into some medical trauma in this episode. Some of the details are a bit gory, um, so please bear that in mind. You could look at the timestamps on the episode notes to just skip ahead if that helps. I wanted to start us off on a more base level understanding. Just I was talking to like I I actually just like a few months ago I want to say on Reddit I saw some person who identified as a man say like oh my gosh you women go through so much I never knew and then that subreddit opened my eyes to how little people with no like menstrual cycles understand what it's like um so I want to kind of start there but I just also want to say hey Carissa thanks for joining us to talk about this Carissa also wrote uh, uh an article about 
what you know Roe v. Wade and and privacy and period tracking apps and beyond um, have to do now. So anyway, Carissa, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. The three of us, I, I feel like, I don't know if all of you have, but I've used period tracking apps in my life. And, and I'm going to start with that because that's kind of where everyone was focused, like right after uh, the, the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Um, but also, I mean, that seems like the most obvious, like unifying factor for some of us here, right? Like, yeah, we have, we have, we have periods. Uh, I, have you used a, a period tracking app in your life, Carissa? Uh, yeah, I've used several uh, over the years. Jess? Yeah, and I think I think most people with periods have. And yeah, I've tried out a few. Um, they're, you know, we review a lot of apps. We review a lot of this stuff. Um, and there are varying levels of, you know, accuracy and usefulness and microtransactions and yes. all this stuff in all these apps. Um but yeah, the, I've definitely used a few in my day. So, so, so to answer an obvious question, or or not an, like a, a question with an obvious answer for us, but maybe not everyone, uh, why would we use period tracking apps? Like, what is what is the whole point? For me, recently, I've just for for okay, in my teenage years, when I first started getting periods, they were I couldn't predict them; they were irregular. I would have crippling cramps. I couldn't get out of bed. Uh, in addition to all the like bloated fatigue, you know, like zits and everything. Now I, I actually haven't used the period tracking app in like, I want to say years because I just know better now. But did anyone else have, I just used to track them because I guess I wanted a better sense of when it was coming so that I know when to lay down that towel on my bed. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's a, it's a problem because my, you know, it's not fun. I, so that's for me. That's like a very basic, I feel like a not special, not a, a unique need for a period tracking app. Did you guys have similar reasons? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting you say like some people don't even understand what a period tracking app does, why why people would even use a period tracking app, because I guess the way these people hear about periods is it just comes every month and that's it. And you get it at yeah, at the same time every month and you, you can just expect it and you just schedule your life around it. It's fine, right? No, that's absolutely not how it works. Uh, periods are often very irregular. Um, they come with a host of side effects and just effects um, that that can truly um, impact your in, entire daily life, right? Like it, aside from mood and emotional um, changes, body changes, nausea, uh, just health issues that can pop up. So having a better sense of when your period is coming, where you are in your cycle, because it's not all about your period arriving. It's about the entire cycle that is constantly evolving in our bodies. Const it's constant. It does not stop. So having a better uh, understanding of where your body is in that cycle is always better. Yeah. You can, to be clear, you can also like log symptoms in a lot of these tracking apps. I think the one that I used to use was Clue. And I loved Clue because like you could log a huge variety of symptoms on there. Like some of the early period tracking systems set up by like Fitbit or whatever would only allow you to like log, oh, how heavy your flow is with one cute droplet of blood, two cute droplets of blood. Um, and then do you, are you fatigued? Do you have like PMS? And that's so nebulous. How am I supposed to define PMS? Sure. But clue back then was like oh no you have all these different customizable icons i i don't i would track them 
just to see whether my my mood changes during that time were a result of my period or was it something else. So like to get specific about why it was helpful to me, that's why I used it. Carissa, did you have like a similar experience, you think? Yeah, I would say that, you know, that's like a really important aspect of these is that a lot of these apps can help uh, people uh, track or even sometimes like identify like gynecological issues, you know, things that, um, you know, you might see a lot of symptoms of and like not know that there's something else going on. Like some of these apps can even tell you like maybe, maybe you should talk to your doctor like this, you know, looks, you know, like a little bit off. So like that's a really important feature for a lot of people. Um, and then the only, the other like big thing is it, you know, can tell you, it, it also, they tell you, you know, when you might be ovulating, which is really important if you're trying to get pregnant. It's also really important if you're trying to not get pregnant. Um, you know, that's like a really key piece of information for, uh, many, many people. And, you know, there's just no way if you're counting days on a calendar, I mean, you can maybe, maybe you could sort of like guess, um, but these apps can really help you define it, especially if your cycle is like not exactly 28 days, which is just mentioned many people, you know, they're not. And so like these apps can, you know, give you really specific idea. Um, in some cases, some of them aren't as good as others. Right. But, um, I think that's like another big reason why people use them. Yeah. Can I just like kind of piggyback off of that? You talked about like these apps can help you recognize medical issues that you might be facing. You can bring that to your doctor. Like women, are often um, dismissed in the doctor's office, even with gynecologists, even with female doctors, even with doctors that menstruate. They understand that these issues are complicated, but still women are dismissed. Their pain is dismissed. Their symptoms are dismissed. And uh, these apps can help give you more information to bring your doctor that they can then say, oh, wow, this is actually something. Um, and that's, that's an issue that I've struggled with, where I, for years, was... Undi I had undiagnosed endometriosis, which is very, very painful. And it, 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 I, was sick as, I was sick as hell. I was in and out of the hospital. I did not know what was going on. I knew it was tied to my cycle, but it took years for my, my gynecologist and my doctors to figure out what was going on. Um, and then I had pretty major surgery to, to <laughs> take care of that, you know, like, um, but it's still there and I'm still tracking it. And these apps help just the, the more information we have about our bodies, about what's going on, if you find an app that is giving you that feedback that works for you, like it, it really can change the game. That reminded me of a story when I was at an e I was in an ER during one Google I.O. one year because I was bleeding so much. I like soaked through like adult diapers, TMI, but like just was so much. And that had been happening already for months. And I had been going to several different doctors only to be told like, yeah, your blood tests look fine. And then in the ER, it was like, they did an ultrasound, like nothing's wrong there. They're like, oh, you don't have lumps, like doctors sticking their hands places and telling you nothing seems wrong. The ultrasounds running on Windows 97, by the way, says you're fine. And then I continued to bleed for like, months until I finally figured out what was wrong. I had to like, no, multiple doctors couldn't tell me what was wrong. I finally realized it was just like the birth control that I was on. I was on a, like the wrong schedule for me. It was just really ridiculous to like have to go through all of that and then to not have the answers for it. And at that point, tracking didn't help me because it was just like daily. It was just like, ah, cool. <laughs> yeah, you're just in diapers every day, but whatever. Um, but to your point, 
uh, irregular periods are also a sign of PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome. And uh, Apple, not to, not to like bring in Apple here, but Apple did publish a, a report around International Women's Day this year that said from you know their study of more than 37,000 participants, a lot of women with PCOS syndromes report like never having regular menstrual cycles unless they, you know, use hormonal uh, treatments. So I think we've established now, okay, there is a common understanding now that like there, that why period apps are popular or helpful or useful. Uh, they sure be trying to go and get a calendar on your own. There's no way to do this like offline very well. There's no convenient way. You can, I guess, set up like a spreadsheet on your computer and not have that be like backed up to the cloud or something. Maybe it, but it's not the most convenient, right? So this, I guess, since the leak of of the potential overturning of Roe v. Wade happened, a lot of concern around this issue um, came up. I think Wired and NPR both published pieces on how this is huge uh, in in the age that we're in, in the like the year that we're in, right? It's like unprecedented levels of digital surveillance. We we talked a little bit about how like in the past. People could tell what your lifestyle was just by your like grocery shopping choices. But now with apps that are so specifically tailored to people who might be looking out for, you know, fertility planning or like just wanting to monitor their cycles, it could get tricky. So Carissa, you and I had like a bit of a chat and we kind of like, and, and, and you wrote a very well put together piece about what all this means. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think, you know, like you said, a lot of people are concerned, um, you know, just to put a fine point on it, they're worried that their their period apps could be, you know, basically used against them. Um, you know, if you live in a state where abortion is now uh, illegal, that, you know, the data you submit could, you know, that's potential information for law enforcement. Um, you know, that, so that's kind of one piece of concern. So we saw, you know, it's almost become like a meme at this point. Everyone was like, delete your period apps. You know, we've seen like influencers, activists. Everyone says, if you're using a period app, you should just delete it. Um, and, you know, I think they're, they're right to be concerned. Like you said, there's, you know, it's true. Like these apps are not protected by HIPAA, other privacy laws. A lot of them use um, cloud storage. It's not hard to imagine if the, they get like a, a court order or a warrant or something like that, they would turn over your information to the police. Um but when you start to like look at this issue, you realize that it's so much more than just these period apps. I mean, in that same same way I just described, I mean, basically anything you do online can be used against you. Um, your browsing history, your text messages. Um, in fact, even before Roe v. Wade was overturned, there have been cases where pregnant women had those things used against them because their their pregnancies ended. And uh, police accused them of self-induced abortions. And so there was one case where a woman was actually sentenced to 20 years in prison because she had texted a friend about abortion pills and then she miscarried. And the only, there was no evidence that she bought abortion pills. There was no evidence, say, to toxicology that she had taken them. But because she had texted her friend that she was thinking about it, uh, she was actually uh, in, like charged and and. Uh, convicted of feticide, which is also like a interesting mm. charge that is like not normally get brought state? against pregnant women. What is it? Uh, Indiana, Indiana, 
And so her her charges, it was eventually overturned, but she still spent three years in prison. You know, so even before, before Roe. Right? Yes. So when you think about this post-Roe, especially if you're in one of these states where, you know, um, the powers that be might be much more eager to prosecute these kinds of cases, you know, you can imagine all kinds of sort of nightmare scenarios where this plays out. Uh, and regardless of whether you actually, you know, had an abortion or did something that was potentially illegal, you know, there's all these ways that our data is now can be used against us um, if, you know, s- something happens and, you know, you go, you miscarry, you go to a hospital, they say it looks suspicious, you know, there's all kinds of... They'll start tracking, they'll start asking for your phone, they'll start, yeah. And it's it, it's so much bigger than just these period tracking apps like that that's exactly it like criminalizing criminalizing this process the getting an abortion makes all of this data that we just have just by living our daily lives kind of makes it up up to fair it's fair game in, in this process if someone is pursuing a criminal it's all charge potential evidence you. yeah so it's a real consequence of just kind of our whole um system of you know this incredible level of surveillance that we've all allowed into our lives through, you know, platforms we use every day. You know, you can think of the Googles and the Facebooks, but it's so much more. It's data brokers. It's, you know, kind of all of these things and it's not regulated. So all that data is out there for people to, um, you know, buy. They don't even need court orders in a lot of cases. They can buy them from data brokers. Um, You know, so it's really, really has a lot of troubling implications. I was just thinking that the other thing that came to mind when you mentioned that story about the woman in Indiana, Carissa, is that that's the other thing too, is like early terminations of pregnancies, they tend to present the same way, whether they're abortions or miscarriages. I feel like maybe there's different stages in the timeline when they happen. But frequently, if you're looking at pure data alone, without, like you said, incriminating evidence that someone bought, let's say, abortion pills or whatever, it can look like an abortion when maybe it was a traumatic event, like a miscarriage or like an accident. And if a person's already gone through that trauma of losing a child and then only to be persecuted further, um, that's like trauma on top of trauma, like this woman went through. So that to me is like ridiculous that someone would take what seems like evidence supporting what they think happened to charge this woman who hadn't actually... We don't know if she did anything. So it's, there's a lot of, there's, what I'm trying to say is that like the problem with relying too much on this digital surveillance data as well is that your interpretation of it can be so subjective. Um, yes, data is hard data, but like it doesn't, it doesn't, there's, it, it excludes a lot of other factors around it. And so we can't just rely on, oh, she was looking up uh I don't know, abortion pills on Google. She was, you know, she had inco- she had safe search on or whatever. It's shady. Why would she have safe, safe search on or something? It's, it's There's just a lot of like, people can run with whatever conspiracy theories they want to run with. when And then this is just a means of them getting their hands on like enough evidence to back up whatever their claims might be. We've seen that play out. I mean, I'm thinking just even in the true crime space, which is, you know, obviously very popular right now, but we've seen like, even in something like Serial, where she's chasing these digital data points of his location pinging off a tower, and you can put together a timeline of whatever. That's, but it's just criminalizing this behavior puts 
scrutiny on everyday life for people who might be seeking an abortion, who might be pregnant, who might be menstruating. It's, it's truly terrifying, honestly. Um, it's, and it's, it's something that I think companies like Google, Meta have not addressed. Like Google has so much data and they have not said whether they're going to comply with requests to turn over that data in, in cases like this. But we know that these companies often do and they often are not transparent about how they're sharing this data with authorities. So I, uh, that that doesn't give me any comfort. Yeah. So so I want to get into like the nitty gritty of some of the news that's happening around here a little bit. So we talked about, I mean, like we said, right, the period tracking apps have had a lot of like scrutiny in the last few weeks. So Flow said it launched something called anonymous mode, which is a new feature in the app that allows users to use it without any personal identifying information being associated with their accounts. Flow just sent me an update this morning saying that in the event that it receives an official request to identify a user by name or email, anonymous mode will prevent Flow from being able to connect data to an individual, meaning Flow would just not be able to satisfy the request. Um, and, you know, the, the PR person goes on to state that they also do, you know, encryption of all data, passcode protection. I also spoke with Google, just kind of asking about you know, hey, you guys have all this health tracking uh, services and, you know, they, they own Fitbit and Fitbit's long had a period tracking service. So I was like, OK, well, what are you doing to protect the data? And and their answer was a little more like, here's what we um, you have all these permission. You have all these settings where you can like remove permissions. So the onus is on the user to be very careful to like remove like to, to not allow an app to track. So on, on the Fitbit privacy policy page, under for legal reasons or to prevent harm, it they may preserve or disclose information about you to comply with the law, regulation, legal process, or governmental request uh, to assert legal rights, blah, blah, like typical legalese around like, yeah, we might have to. And then Fitbit's policy is that it will notify you of legal process seeking access to your information, such as search warrants, court orders, subpoenas, unless they are prohibited by law from doing so. In cases where a court order specifies a non-disclosure period, it provides delayed notice after the expiration of the non-disclosure period. And I feel like this is pretty standard, right, across most services. So we're going to basically, if someone, like law enforcement, like a big entity that works both with a shit ton of users and also tries to, like, cooperate with law enforcement... They're more or less most of the time going to like work with law enforcement. They're just going to hand over your information. Uh, maybe they'll give you a courteous like heads up. But yeah. Um, and then I also did a lot of digging on all the apps that in some of the, the store in like the app store and the uh, play store, um, what they are tracking. And for a lot of like, for the most part, they don't track your actual location but they track a lot of other stuff like your email, your home address, your phone number, your name, all of these things that could then be like used to discover who exactly you are. So it's not just about like, even if Google is like, yeah, you have all these ways that you can like turn off location tracking on your period tracking app, for example, which by the way, I was like, why are you even tracking my location on the period tracking app? But it's supposed to be for serving up. So they can sell your data. It's for serving ads. Yeah. So I'm just like, <laughs> All right. Uh, even if you turned that part off, there's all this other stuff that you might need to enable for the app just to function that could still be used to identify you. And and this is still the vast majority of the apps I was looking at. So like Flow is one of them. Bella Beat was a wearable making company that like was, I think its whole point was to help women track their like 
they call it feminine health, whatever. Um, and they issued a statement recently about how they really respect your rights and they're not going to like collect personal identifying information, all that stuff. They're just two out of the vast sea of like makers we know of and that have like stepped out to say something. They're like, they're just two. And they're also two of the like, not the biggest. They're big, but they're not the biggest. We're looking at you, Apple and Google and and all the other big players. There's nothing that's been said yet, right? Like, Carissa, I know you're more on top of the space these days. Have they announced anything? You mean the Apples and the Googles and yeah. Facebooks? No, I mean, they haven't because, um, you know, like you said, I think they're, I think that, well, I mean, I, I can only speculate, but they, you know, they're probably looking closely at what their legal obligations potentially are, you know, but usually if they get a valid um, you know, subpoena, warrant, court order, something like that, like they turn it over. That's usually, they put out transparency reports. You can kind of track this. Um, you know, in the case of Google, they do these sort of like geofence warrants um, where the law enforcement will give them like a particular location and they'll say, we want data on everybody who was near this, you know, within a certain radius of this area um, during this period. And if you look at their transparency reports, that's a very common request. So, you know, you can kind of extrapolate that out and think, well, could they use that for, you know, clinic locations or somewhere else that's sensitive? And, you know, so just to, you know, it's great that like period tracking apps are, are putting in these like encryption features and anonymous modes and things like that. Like, I think that's good, like more, but we need everyone to do that or, you know, it probably isn't going to make that much of a difference. Like, I think what we know is that law enforcement is just as likely to try and get your your text messages or your location data or, you know, any of these other things that are not that hard for them to access, right, um, as they are to try and get, like, specific information about your cycle. I I don't really understand the American legal system very well, and we will get to my external, like, my outsider's perspective in a bit. But Roe v. Wade, can there be, like, so this is, this one of the things about why this is so monumental is that it's, like, it was a precedent that was set, and then now they're, like, overturning something like that's precedent. And can like some, let's say we, we are about to like prosecute the first person that was like someone tried to like get an abortion in a state where abortion was determined by this to be illegal. Like, can there be another precedent set? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, y'all have to talk to me, talk to me about this. What's going to happen here? Jess, it feels like you might know what, what that looks like. I mean, well, hey, the legal system is designed to be convoluted. It's designed for normal people to not understand it, which makes it easier for the people that do understand it to manipulate it. So you're not alone <laughs> there. Um, yeah, this is, I'm not sure what the actual recourse for reestablishing some of these rights, these, what I believe are fundamental basic human rights. Um, I don't know what that process would be, whether it would be a new court case, whether it would be reinstituting. I don't think that's, that's necessarily, um, a conversation. I honestly don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, Chris, go go ahead. So basically, what they said with with the Dobbs decision is that it's up to the state. So like before, under Roe versus Wade, said that there was a constitutional right to an abortion up to a certain uh, period. I think it was twenty four weeks. So basically, when they said that, okay, that was wrong. They're not saying that like it's basically kicked it back to the state. So it's up to every single individual state to decide, which is why you've seen you know um, states like. Uh, California and I think Washington are trying to put extra protections in place so that, you know, abortion can remain legal and accessible. Some states had 
you know, they call them trigger laws where as soon as Roe v. Wade was overturned, abortion, you know, was immediately outlawed. Some states like have it kind of in between where they're trying to figure it out. Like maybe they have lower thresholds now where, um, you know, some pre-existing state law went to an effect where it's now banned after like six weeks or four weeks or something like that. But we're also still seeing a lot of this play out on a state-by-state level. You know, we've seen um, judges have gotten involved. There's like groups bringing cases. So it's going to be a while before we know exactly. But that's kind of the point is that like it's basically all in chaos now that there is no federal standard here. It's kind of just going to be a while before we kind of can even figure out what the new status quo is. Yeah. Chaos. Chaos is the way to describe it. Exactly. Like, I was trying to figure out from some of my um, telehealth sources, like, what's going on? Uh, How are you guys responding? Because telehealth is going to be affected too, right? Like, I mean, we'll get into this in a little bit, but like, Amazon and and a lot of different online pharmacies had to limit the sale of Plan B. Why? Because they don't know what the different jurisdictions might be anymore, I guess. And also, I think they're running out of supply. But yeah, it's a lot of these players in online pharmacies and telehealth spaces are waiting on the states still to like individually decide like what is going to be legal um, before they can come up, come out and say anything. And I guess for for companies like Apple and Google who are so big, who have their fingers fingers in everything, they kind of really do need to wait for the laws to come out to see. Um, and I guess I don't blame them, but it did just make, like you said, Kirsa, everything is just so much more. Okay, cool. I mean... I blame them. I don't I don't blame <laughs> I'm you sorry. for blaming like, them. There you I go. mean... Yeah, I'm they, pissed, so... The reality yeah. is, is that, yes, they have, like, legal obligations, but they could also just say, like, stop indiscriminately collecting all of our location data. Um, you know, Facebook could restrict the use of its uh, tracking pixel, uh, which, you know, has been used is like even on the websites of like hospitals and clinics and all these places. I mean, there are like things that they could do to protect us while still kind of meeting their minimum legal obligation. But, you know, what a lot of the privacy experts I've spoke with said is like they have no incentive to do this. Like these things make them a lot of money unless we have actual privacy laws that, you know, regulate how much data they can collect, where, when, why, and how they do so. Like they're just going to get everything because that's what they've been doing. Like there's no reason for them to change it right now didn't meta oh that is the business didn't meta also no sorry just yeah yeah. i know no you're right i i was just gonna say that like meta had like some kind of uh moderation issue happen on uh posts about abortion pills right carissa do you do you know what happened there yeah people were you know a lot of people were sort of posting um saying that you know abortion pills can be sent through the mail like if you need abortion pills i'll mail them to you um like just a lot of discussion around this issue and facebook was like banning people who are posting this taking the post down they had they have a policy where you you know you're not supposed to you know buy or sell or trade any sort of drugs whether it's you know sort of like illicit drugs or even um like pharmaceutical prescription drugs and so um but what was interesting was that this was happening, you know, if you said, I'll mail you abortion pills, like people would, accounts would automatically get flagged. But if you said, you know, I'll, ma- I'll mail you marijuana, which is federally illegal and also uh, would fall under this policy ostensibly, like that post would stay up. Um, so it was pretty sketchy. I think they have finally sort of admitted that they were in the wrong to be doing that. Yeah. And to talk about another big company for a moment, Amazon also said it was going to limit purchases of Plan B and other emergency contraceptive pills. 
this is not really it's it's the it's the biggest of the the many retailers to like have to put a like cap on the on the number of sales they're making i guess um mostly i guess because of increased demand but mm-hmm. you know would this would this you know be something they have to think about like where what states you could have like be in to be able to buy it or like could you send it to some address in a state where it's legal and then have a friend pick it up you know what i mean like i think people are all thinking about creative ways now because like we just established it's everything is still up in the air there's there's so many things that are we're waiting for to happen state by state do we know if there's a deadline on when these states can come out and decide it's all state by state it's all i know in arizona where mm-hmm. where i am it's um yeah we have different rules than like california right now it's just as fast as the authorities in your state want to move, they they will on this. Like we keep talking about all these things and it's just roadblock after roadblock for people seeking these services, roadblock after roadblock for people who want to deliver these services, doctors, nurses, facilities, clinics. What this culminates in is a black market for abortions. It's This is creating more dangerous abortions. This is creating a world where women just simply cannot get the, the health care they need, this is going to kill people. This is already, this decision is is killing people. Um, and that's, that's, that's why I get so heated about it. That's why it feels personal to a lot of people menstruating. And that's why I, I don't have a lot of patience for companies like Google or Meta or Amazon who do have the power to take, to at least make a move that isn't going to support this decision, that isn't going to support a system that's killing people. They can make these decisions and they're not. Um, and they're, they're just deciding to uh, make more money. And I mean, that's, we, know, we know that's what they do. And we're already seeing that play out. I mean, um, you know, there's been all these sort of memes on Facebook about like delete your period app, um, you know, mailing abortion pills. Um, on TikTok, there was a story um, just recently about, you know, people making these sort of like herbal concoctions that could, you know, perhaps induce an abortion that are actually really dangerous. You know, people could be poisoned. So like now we've created this world where we're already seeing, you know, really uh, bad, dangerous health information now is like spreading again. Um, Especially, you know, think about TikTok, it's spreading to like uh, a lot of young people who are, you know, very susceptible to this sort of things, might not know better. And so, you know, we're, we're just already seeing the consequences of like people being worried about this. And then that that sort of vacuum is allowing like this really dangerous information to spread because people think that they, you know, they may not have another choice. In case it needs to be said, don't 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 take uh, don't take any herbal remedies that you see on TikTok. That's uh, yeah, that's a yeah big PSA. I saw the other meme that I keep seeing pop up is um, the one of like this typically usually white young couple you know a picture of them going don't abort your kid we'll adopt it and that's the other meme i've been seeing um and i i i have to tell you i don't think that's gonna work because uh i mean i've seen a lot of people like criticizing those things but so for, for me i was very curious as to like what the rest of the world thought of what's happening in america right now as always and i asked my friends in singapore because in singapore abortion is not something that's talked as openly about and if it happens if at all it happens at such a low rate that like i don't even know i if i were in singapore and i needed something like that i wouldn't know what to do where to go 
um, I think he would just go to your regular doctor and be like incredibly ashamed uh, throughout the whole process, which is awful. And But I will tell you this. Um, so people in Singapore are like, half of them were like, what's going on? I don't know what the hell Roe v. Wade is. Sure. And then there's people who are like aware of it and think it's, yeah, going to create this black market of, in Singapore, when I grew up in Singapore, like on our local TV shows, it would be like just people who, if they were pregnant, they would either throw themselves down the stairs or against the back of a chair just to try to get rid of whatever. That's on TV, so that's like just fictional. But I know that in the news, it used to be like frequent enough that you would hear about like abandoned dead babies in dumpsters. And that's just not fun. Like y'all call it prom babies here or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it's basically that. And you can say that, yes, you've given people options, but I don't think you really are. Like you're not taking away stigma. You're not taking away shame. In fact, like doing this resurfaces all of that stigma and shame and in some states. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get too like into the philosophical debate about this. I do want to keep it about you know, what, why it's so much worse now that we have all these devices on us that collect information about us everywhere we go all the time. Uh, we did talk a little bit about like some tips in general for people. Um, if they find themselves in a situation where they just don't want to be tracked, I think Carissa, you were sort of saying like, it's just too simplistic to say, delete your period tracking app. Am I, am I mistaken in thinking that? No, that's correct. Um, I mean, you definitely should take a look at all the apps on your phone and take a look at the privacy policies, look at what permissions are accessing. You know, that, that that's all good advice. Um, the, the privacy experts I spoke with also mentioned, you know, you should use encrypted messaging apps, um, whether that's iMessage or WhatsApp or Signal. Um, you know, use, uh, use those services, try to use privacy protecting browsers like DuckDuck. Go, even Firefox, um, you know, is a little bit more private than, say, like a Google Chrome or something. Um, and then, you know, if you are going somewhere that's like really sensitive, you don't want to be tracked, like you should leave your phone at home probably. Um, because if you have your phone on you, even if you're, you think you're not using something that's tracking you, like you can still be tied to that location. Um, you know, as we saw with several examples that I talked about earlier. So, you know, if you're going to like a protest or, you know, to a clinic or somewhere like that, you know, maybe get a burner phone if you really need something like, but, you know, leave your main device at home if you have to. And, you know, that's a really unfortunate thing about this. Like this is not steps that are like easy or accessible or, you know, particularly, you know, obvious for, for people to take who care about this issue. So like it, like it really shouldn't be honest to like have to dig through every privacy policy and, you know, think about everything that we use and, you know, every click that we make. But like, that's kind of unfortunately like the reality that we're in unless, you know, we do have some some changes with our privacy laws. Jess, did you have some tips too? No, I just like building off of what Carissa said. Yeah. Leaving your phone at home, that's still the only, the only really real way to stop your phone from being tracked is just don't take it with you. Um, and yeah, this, these tips are fine for people who have the time and the capability to maybe get a burner phone, to go through all their apps, to, to double check. But hey, a lot of the people that this decision will affect the most are vulnerable, marginalized, isolated people um, who maybe are not hearing these tips, aren't, don't even have the time to implement these safeguards, cannot leave their phone at home because they're dealing with other things. Like, yeah, so once again, this decision will 
will impact the most vulnerable people in our society. They'll they'll be hit the hardest. They're they're the ones that currently I don't think have access to finding out more information on how to safely get to places and and services that they need uh, should they need them either. And that's that's really depressing. Um, but yeah, no. If there were if either of you had any thoughts to add at this point, I feel like we we are in a state of chaos like we mentioned earlier a bit of a limbo right now while we wait for a few states or more than a few states to like come out and say what what's going to exactly be legal and not and we're also waiting for big tech looking at you google apple and more to say something to take some responsibility right is there anything else you wanted to add uh carissa just that you know i think it's not just people who have periods who should be worried about these issues i mean Obviously, like reproductive health care also affects men very much. But even just, you know, the issues we're talking about, data privacy, your data, your location and uh, everything you do online being tracked, being, you know, potentially able to use against you like that. All that applies to 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 men and, and everyone else as well. Maybe it's not, um, you know, and maybe it's not for seeking reproductive health care, but, you know, it could still if all of a sudden your law enforcement wants to look at you for some reason, you're in the wrong place, they use one of these geofence warrants. I mean, there's, you know, this is something that really everybody should be worried about because it, it does affect everyone in some way, um, whether or not it's your reproductive health at stake or something else like privacy is something that is very core to all of us. Yeah, this isn't just about people who menstruate. Um these policies apply to all of us. Um, and we know that the attack on individual rights, um, basic human rights, these attacks are escalating. And we know that they are targeting LGBT plus people next. Like this is, this is truly, it's a game plan that has been laid out. Uh, this is not just theoretical. So this isn't just about people who menstruate. This isn't just about women. This isn't, yeah, this is something that affects everyone. And I, I really do wish that these huge tech firms would step up, but I have very little hope that that will ever happen. We shall see. If you are listening and you have questions, you can send them to podcast at engadget.com. If there's people around you that need help, hopefully you will be able to I hope we all will get the information we need one day to be able to help people around us that need it. Uh, and in the meantime, yeah, we're just going to keep an eye out. And, and if there's any more tips we can provide you through our coverage, we will do our best. Thanks, Carissa, for joining us today. Uh, obviously, people can find your work on Engadget.com. Where can people find you online if they want to connect? They can find me on Twitter, but I will be blocking anyone who says, just use a calendar. Yeah. <laughs> So keep that one to yourself. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, Carissa. So speaking of the other people that will be affected by the Supreme Court decision, the Supreme Court just ruled today, June 30th, that uh, it would not let the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, uh, enforce the Clean Air Act. The Supreme Court ruled six to three to limit the authority of the EPA in regulating carbon emissions from power plants. And so what is going to happen is that Congress, not the EPA, has the power to regulate these emissions. Chief Justice Roberts uh, wrote in the majority opinion that capping carbon dioxide emissions at a level that will force a nationwide transition away from the use of coal 
according to this chief justice, may seem like a sensible solution to the crisis of the day, but it's not plausible that Congress gave the EPA the authority to adopt on its own such a regulatory scheme. Cool. Cool beans. I, to me, this seems like a power struggle, Jess. Is this what it seems like to you? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think this is the result of um, Trump appointing so many conservative justice justices to the court. Um, this is a trend that has been building for a while. This is not just because of Trump. This is a this is a strategy that uh, Republicans have been working on for a long time to to get power where they want it so they could make decisions like this. Um, we've again, they've been very clear. They've wanted these things for a long time. This is not a not necessarily surprising, but still shocking to see uh, these these regulations be stripped away, especially at a time when it really matters. We really need to be focusing on cleaning up the planet or it's going to get to a point and it's already past a point in, in many cases uh, of of recovery, like we're we're really hitting some dire times. So yeah, this was this was another upsetting blow in my book. Yeah, I again, this is one of those decisions that will have far-reaching impact beyond just limiting emissions from some power plants. Um, it, uh, according to uh, our article on Gadget.com, it also hints at what other steps the court's conservative majority might be planning to take. Uh, it's already blocked like eviction moratoriums enacted by the CDC. It couldn't, apparently the court said during the pandemic that OSHA is not uh, the, I don't really know what OSHA stands for, but it's the workplace safety, safety people. Yeah. Uh, that the, the OSHA couldn't mandate vaccination requirements for large companies. And then, you know, just sure, you know, abortion is up to right. y'all states now. So so we 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 ha- we're, this is a trend and we're seeing now the impact of what happened during the Trump administration of placing all these you know judges in the Supreme Court. So great news uh <laughs> today. But let's move on to to some more uh tech specific uh news. Um, I'm talking about the layoffs that were announced. I'm, and I'm, I'm sorry that none of this is good news, <laughs> but uh, layoffs have been announced What in what seems like mostly the gaming industry. Unity has laid off over 300 employees, which is about 4% of its workforce. Uh, according to a by Kotaku, this is worldwide um, and it's to realign some of its resources. I'm not really sure what that means. Jess, do you have an idea what that might mean? Yeah. So, so yeah, they did confirm to us that they are laying off uh, approximately 4% of the Unity workforce. Um, I mean, the video game industry is kind of in flux right now. A lot of people, um, a lot of industries or a lot of studios were hit pretty hard by the pandemic. Um, and now I think we're seeing studios kind of picking up the pieces and reassessing. And we have this new generation of consoles. We have a new console cycle entirely with cloud gaming. So this isn't uh, too surprising to see these kinds of shifts happening now. Unity is a big player, um, and four percent—that's like three hundred people. Like that's this is a significant cut. So I'm not quite sure what's going on over at Unity, but I do think this is uh, to better align the company with uh, where the industry is now, which is which is different than it was, you know, five ten years ago. So yeah. I mean, speaking of the industry, Niantic—is that how I pronounce it? Niantic. I say Niantic, Niantic, but yeah. Niantic? Okay. 
Pokemon Niantic Go company. Is, <laughs> Pokemon Go people. That's easier. Niantic is also laying off about 8% of its workforce, which uh, that is about 85 to 90 jobs. It's also canceled four projects, not not Pokemon Go though. That's the like that's the game that matters to Niantic, right? Like they've tried like the Harry Potter AR game didn't really go well. Like they're they're trying stuff, but Pokemon Go is their bread and butter. Yeah. It was working on uh, a project with Punch Drunk that make uh, that is behind the uh, Sleep No More production in New York City, uh, and I believe that's also canned. It was supposed to be called Hamlet. Uh, I mean, that's I how original. Another Sleep No More. I know, but yeah, right <laughs> went from Macbeth to Hamlet. Okay, um, the Transformers heavy metal game has also been shelved, and then two other games called Blue Sky and Snowball. Uh, are among the four that have been canceled. So, yeah. Uh, sad doing, news, I guess, if you were looking for that. Yeah. It's still doing an NBA game. It's working on something, but like a, it, it's in collaboration with the NBA, so maybe it'll have money and maybe it'll be trash. <laughs> so yeah. they, they're like probably the just Harry contractually obligated to do that. Yeah, Pokemon yeah. Go was special, but they just haven't been able to do that again. I think the tech that Niantic has, though, is is going to be pretty important to other projects. Um, the AR tech that they've been able to kind of streamline through Pokemon Go um, is going to be very useful for companies uh, and maybe them in the future, yeah. We'll see. I mean, yeah, they just need to find another formula that will work again. I feel like it's it's kind of waiting to happen. Um, and then finally, not in the gaming industry, but also layoffs. Uh, Tesla reportedly laid off about 200 workers from its autopilot team and may have closed an office in California. This is according to a Bloomberg report. Um, earlier this week, some staff were informed of the move. Uh, and these were specialists whose jobs were about, yeah, evaluating and labeling autopilot data that customers uh, gleaned. So... I honestly don't follow Tesla tightly enough to know what this really means, but it does seem like autopilot was always kind of a feature that was, I don't know, it was like in the works and development and, and not really, right? It's very dangerous if it, they don't get it right. If the obstacle avoidance, if the object detection is just not smart enough, they're not careful enough. Um, is this a sign that they're not going to work on it anymore? Is this a sign that, you know, maybe they think they're near enough? to a good product? I don't know. But um I doubt it's that. <laughs> I I think this is more of a a panic move than a than a oh we're doing so well move. <laughs> yeah. 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 So maybe they think that feature is never going to happen. We we don't know for sure. Uh, the report by Bloomberg um you know is is it's a report. So we're going to let's see what Tesla says, right? We'll keep an eye. Um, and then in another piece of news that I found personally, I found this quite interesting, Apple, uh, to comply with some regulations in South Korea, will now let apps use third-party payment providers. Hey, remember how we were fighting for this over here? <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's happening in South Korea, so it'll still take a commission. I think one of the reasons maybe Apple didn't want to enable... Uh, third-party in-app payments, I guess, for uh, apps on their on their platform. Partly was the commission they were making, but also partly some kind of privacy thing that they say. Um, so if it's able to work in South Korea, perhaps it's able to work over here. This is, you know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, this is a big part of why Fortnite and the whole drama with Epic Game Store. It was all about in-app um, like stores, and and this is something like. 
could Epic Games get the Epic Games Store on onto Apple devices is kind of like the end game um, there. And this is this is interesting. And I like the idea that they're reducing their commission. It's still only reduced. Uh, it's reduced from 30% that Apple is taking to 26% for this. I still think that's way too high. Um especially if we're trying to invite smaller companies into this space eventually, or I would like to start there. Um, but this is, yeah, hey, this is, I think, a step in the right direction, at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to just see how feasible it might be to bring over here, this is how it works in South Korea, right? If you want to use something else, you must create a special version of your app for the Korean app store. Uh, Apple has already approved four different South Korean payment providers. Uh, and if you know any other payment providers want to be part of this, they need to approve by Apple via a request on the developer website. Uh, and then you know some features won't be available, like ask to buy or family sharing. And Apple, I guess, rightly covers its ass by saying it's taking no responsibility for subscription management or refunds, which, yeah, the payment provider should provide that. But that's something that's par for the course. I think they... You know, if there's legit payment providers, they have systems in place to deal with that stuff. So step in the right direction, I feel like, right? I think so. It's, we'll see what actually happens with it, but I think it's a good step. Speaking of some games, Sony launched a new hardware brand um, or is launching a new hardware I know. brand. This is very strange. To <laughs> the me. question. Yeah. The question in your voice says it all because it, this was like a weird surprise, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw the ru- rumors, I saw the reports that like they might be working on, first it was like, oh, they might be working on headsets, but then it turned out it was audio headsets. It was like, <laughs> like for, for listening to your games or your music um, while you're playing. And But this is like what? This is like PS5 looking things. There's like, they made a, a kit that matches your PS5 or something. Does that make sense? Which honestly... It it does make sense, but it's just not the right move yeah. because the PS5 is ugly as sin. But do you think <laughs> these accessories? Yeah, do you think these accessories are ugly as sin? Have you seen the pictures? No, actually, okay. I'm looking at them now, and I think the headphones are really cute. They're yeah. like kind of bubbly and bulbous, and they're white. That's nice. And then the the monitor looks fine. It looks a little unrefined for yes. my taste. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. I'm I not the only you. one there. But I agree with you. But it, it looks fine. Yeah. So the name of this brand of accessories or, or peripherals is InZone. Sure, I don't know where that name comes from. Doesn't sure. I'm cool for you? Maybe you're in the zone. Um, it's an, it's PC gaming displays and headsets right now. The flagship product is the InZone M9. It's a 27 inch 4K monitor with an IPS uh, panel, 144 hertz refresh rate, and apparently one millisecond grade to grade response time. So, you know. Good for I, it. I, sounds I, fine. Yeah, I guess it looks okay. It, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look like something that I would run out and buy. The headphones are cute, actually, but like the monitor is not yeah. quite for me. And it does look like a PS Five. The the front little leg that it has on the monitor looks like the PS Five, which is cute. But again, not a great design reference point from my perspective. Yeah, it's also more expensive than a PS Five. It's eight hundred and ninety nine dollars this summer. So there you go. Yeah, enjoy that. There's a <laughs> the headset, the headsets that you were talking about. Um, there's a $299 top tier H9 headset. It's got active noise cancellation, Bluetooth and wireless connectivity, support for spatial audio. Um, and, you know, yes, it's 
you know, color scheme looks more like PS5 aligned, but it uses the same synthetic leather that uh, is on Sony's very beautifully named WH-1000XM5 headphones. Um, and then there's also the H7 uh, and the H3, which cost $229 and $99 respectively. Uh, they'll all be available this summer. So, hey, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you were looking for new headsets that kind of match your PS5, this is something you could look at. The $99 one sounds like it might be fine. Well, honestly, Sony makes good good headsets, and um, I really like the the gold headset. It's always been good for the PS5. Like I'm, so I'm yeah interested in these, all of um, them, and even our, the expensive yeah. one. Even the expensive one, the two ninety nine seems yeah. It seems like it's you know with with Sony's like renown in the wireless headphone space, I would be very curious about these like gaming headsets myself. Um, our senior editor, also Sam Rutherford, wrote a piece about how the Inzone line uh, merges the best of his PlayStation and consumer gear. Um, but he also says that the only surprising thing about Sony doing gaming peripherals is that it didn't happen sooner, which is true. Yes. So, Very true. This could be this could be a good market for them if they can really figure out the design. Uh, this is something they could really push on that maybe Microsoft can't uh, compete with them as hard. We'll so, see. Maybe they're giving yeah. Microsoft we'll ideas. See. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Like, we'll see. Yeah. Um, speaking of people who are passionate about brands, we've got Snapchat Plus. Do you still? Does anyone still use Snapchat? Um, because if you do, you're probably a big fan and you might pay the new $4 monthly subscription fee for Snapchat Plus. It is uh, designed for people who, I don't know, are still on the app and I guess they can't serve ads anymore. This is me being snarky. But for the people who are still using Snapchat, paying that extra $4 a month will get you things like the ability to change the app icon, see a uh, pin a friend to the top of your chat history as a BFF. Um, the fun one that I saw that appeals to me and my teenage self is you're able to see who rewatched a story. So, yeah, teenage yeah. me. Yeah, that's exactly. what people are really teenage paying me for. Who's like, does my crush rewatch my yeah. stories? We'll be all over uh-huh. that. We'll be like, yes, I will pay. Thank you very much. Um, so it's interesting to see. I, I think that also the younger demographic is squarely the Snapchat audience. So, you know, that feature for an extra $4 a month makes sense. Um, so features like BFF, which is the the ability to pin a friend to the top of your chat history, uh, according to the senior vice president of Snapchat, will only be available to subscribers. Some, but some new features might filter over to the main Snapchat app. So what I'm saying is that $4 fee, some of these extra features you get are exclusive to the $4 tier, but some of them are just early access. Some of them you might get first before others receive them in the main app. So really, to me, that dilutes the value. So you're yeah. paying. Yeah, you're paying to be a beta tester. Yeah. Like, that's not okay. Pretty, pretty much, <laughs> but to some people, that's like a badge of honor. That's like, yeah, I got this before anyone else, you know. So Sure. It's just like what... What kid has an extra four bucks to spare yeah. just to be like I mean, I don't four dollars a month? I, get I guess it. like I get it, one but, uh, one like one dessert short at lunch. I don't know how much food costs in America's America's cafeterias. Um, whether or not this is something that people like TikTok copy eventually, because you know everyone copies Snapchat. 
We all know this. Uh, whether or not this is something other other services copy eventually will be, you know, interesting to see. Um, but if, you know, they offer a paid TikTok tier, that's not beyond the reach of imagination. That, that could happen someday. Okay. I Speaking of TikTok, real quick. I have been watching YouTube TV. I'm I'm canceling my subscription, but I still have it for now. Um, there are ads for TikTok on show. Like there are actual advertisements getting people to. What is that about? Is it like they think people yeah. haven't heard of TikTok? Well, they like they what? Think, they think making what it seem that? appealing to more people through the other platforms that people are already watching probably would draw more people. Like they're like I. It's like a, they, it's like a, they don't want people to think it's a young people only thing or a Gen Z only thing. They're like, here's what else you could yeah. do on TikTok. Uh, Maybe. Old <laughs> like people. Me. Yeah. They're trying to get an older audience. I really think so. Cause it wasn't right. like silly dances. Gardening. It was like. Oh, it for real was gardening. And stuff. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I what was is like, this? Yeah. No, it was really confusing. Like, why is there an yeah. ad for this app that everyone had? Like, it's very, very shocking. Okay. But uh, speaking of watching YouTube TV, Jess, what have you been watching to relax or, or just doing to relax? Yeah, well, I mean, of course, I'm watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but that's just a constant. <laughs> we don't need to say that. Um, no, I've been playing, actually, The oh. Quarry, the um, spooky kind of um, horror movie Ooh. game from uh, the people that made Until Dawn, Supermassive Games. Until Dawn is one of my favorite games from from back in the... Yeah, it was like a few years ago. And this is their latest title. It's like teens at a at an abandoned summer camp and they have to stay the night and cryptids and weird stuff happens. It's, it's very fun. It doesn't quite capture the magic of Until Dawn. Like it doesn't quite hit that, but it's very fun. It's still very enjoyable. It feels like you're can playing play a movie. on PC? Um, and you can, you know, pass the controller... Oh, I don't know if it's on PC. I'm playing on uh, PS5. I clearly still haven't gotten myself a PS or Xbox. So, <laughs> but this sounds fun. It's okay. I love a good horror, like, atmospheric horror story game. Although I might start with Until Dawn because now you're making me feel like I want to play Until Dawn. It's so good. Yeah. So the quarry. I, meanwhile, have been trying to take my mind off. I start, I sort of... People who follow me on Twitter will know I started watching Stranger Things for the first time uh, recently. So kind of making my way through that. Um, so Until Dawn kind of like reminds me of that a little bit because it's, yeah, it's like, I don't know, kids and horror stuff. But no, but I needed a break sort of. So I have been watching a few more stand-up specials on Netflix. And I recently watched Joel Kim Booster's special called Psychosexual. It's I laughed out loud so hard so many times. It's ridiculous. I haven't laughed out loud at a, like a stand-up comedy special in a long time. Joe Kim Booster um, is, he identifies as a gay Asian man. And uh, he talks all about that on uh, on his special. And it's really awesome. He owns all of it. He's like, in his words, like a new breed of hot comedians. Like it's okay to be hot now and be a comedian. Like that's great. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it. So I know this week's news cycle has been kind of depressing. If you want to, you know, just chill out and have a few laughs with a friend who's lived maybe a different life from you. Um, that's, I think a good one to, to decompress to. And then I was lucky enough to go and watch this just yesterday, Thor Love and Thunder. 
a special press preview. Thor Love and Thunder featuring Girls Guns. Girl Guns. That's a... Uh, is this a I movie? Love it. It's a movie. Thor Love and Thunder is the latest in the Marvel Cinematic Universe featuring Thor, uh, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, and Natalie Portman as Mighty Thor. Lady Thor? No, Mighty Thor. Um, and it's great. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. Uh, by great, I mean it is very much Thor. It's very like in the lines of like Thor Ragnarok. It's like a fun ride. It's got like very similar music, uh, soundtrack. Um, it's a it's a fun time. And that's that's all I'm gonna say. And then I'll talk more openly about it when uh, when it's actually in theaters. And I'm not at risk of spoiling it for people. It'll be in theaters July eighth. Not sure what the streaming date will be yet. If you're still not feeling up to going out to an in person cinema, that is fine. Um, but I'm sure I'll have a lot to talk to Devendra about. That is a conversation for you two to have. Is that the one where everyone was freaking out because Natalie Portman Girl, was yes. like ripped? Like she got yes, shredded for this role? Uh, yes. Okay, that's cool. But that's I will cool. say I not I'm not sure as a girl who lives myself, I was like, huh, okay, good, like interesting definition on there. But Tessa Thompson, man, like hells to the effing. Yes. I have such a crush on Tessa Thompson. She's amazing. I love her. I saw her in person once. <gasps> I saw her so outside of the Ace Hotel during E3. So she jealous. there was a premiere. It was she's so tiny and cute. Yeah, oh. she's adorable. She's in, she's incredible in this Thor Love and Thunder as well. Amazing King Valkyrie. Can't wait for y'all to all watch it and tell me what you think. Well, that's it for the episode, everyone. Thank you as always for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Jess online at... On Twitter, Jess Condit. And Instagram, Jess L. Condit. If you want to send me pictures of Tess Thompson, I will accept them. On Twitter, I am at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts.